Good morning, church. So good to be with you. I believe the Lord has a good word for us this morning, and so I just want to dive right in. And I want to start with this interesting diagram by Professor Adam Grant, author of the book, Give and Take. And I just want to use this diagram, this framework, as a conversation piece. That's it, just a conversation piece, a conversation starter. And so here we go. On the top of this diagram is uh, the label concern for others. And then there's this range between a low concern for others and a high concern for others. And then on the left of this diagram is labeled concern for self. And then there's the range of a low concern for self and a high concern for self. And so I want to look at the relationship between concern for others and concern for self. And so that's what we're going to kind of focus on this morning. And so let's take a look at each of these quadrants in turn. And so there's firstly this quadrant that's uh, labeled apathetic. And the definition of apathy is showing or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, uh, or concern. And so in this uh, quadrant, you have a low concern for others and you have a low concern for self. Apathy. It's a mindset where you kind of just say, I don't care, blah, meh, that kind of attitude. I don't care. And Jesus has something to say about that. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, there's this church called Laodicea. And Jesus has a message for this church in Laodicea. And, uh, and it says, and Jesus says this, this is Jesus speaking, a message from Jesus to this church in Laodicea. And he says this, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And so what's this deal about hot and cold and lukewarm that Jesus is talking about? Well, he's actually talking about water. Interesting, water. You have to understand the context of Re Revelation chapter 3. And so these two verses actually are a message to this church in Laodicea. Now, this church in Laodicea has this city that's about six miles north of them called Heropolis. And Heropolis is a city that's known for their hot springs. And so people would go there to, to bathe. And there's like this idea that hot water will soothe the body, will bring healing to the body. And so these, uh, these, uh, this city in Heropolis, known for hot, hot, hot springs. Good stuff. Well, there's this other city about 10 miles east of Laodicea called Colossae. And Colossae, they have a different water source. Their water source is from the mountain, the stream from the mountain. And so the stream from the mountain supplies them with cold, clear, refreshing water, good stuff, cold water, refreshing when you drink it. But here's the problem, Laodicea, 
no water source of their own. Bummer. And so what they had to do was they had to pipe in water from a hot spring about six miles away. They had to pipe in their water. And here's the problem. Hot water, when, the, when it travels about five, six miles, becomes lukewarm. It becomes impure. Sometimes it's even stinky. Yuck. Ooh, it's kind of like this. Imagine you leave your hot, this bottled water in your hot car in Eva Beach, the hottest place in Oahu. Leave, your, leave this, hot bottle, this bottle in your hot car for half a day and then try to drink it. Ooh, yuck, you spit it out. And so what Jesus is saying here is, hey, you church in Laodicea, don't be lukewarm. Don't be apathetic. Don't have this I don't care, blah, eh, meh kind of attitude. Instead, be hot, hot like those hot springs, cold like cold, refreshing water from the mountains. And so Jesus actually gives this church a chance to repent. He says, hey, I'm, I, I'm giving you an opportunity. Repent. Wake up. Get with the program. And so that's what this message to this Laodicean church is all about. And so we don't want to spend time in this apathetic quadrant. No good. And so the next quadrant is this. It's the selfish quadrant. You have a low concern for others and a high concern for me, myself, and I. And we all uh, know people that are selfish, and so we don't have to say much. These are the takers in life. And Jesus also, through 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 5, has a message about selfishness. Take a look at what 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5 says. It says this. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than, the, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and then have nothing to do with such people. And so we don't want to spend time in the selfish quadrant. No good. And so let's move on to the next quadrant. Next quadrant is this. It's the selfless quadrant. This is a giver in life. They want to help people. And the scripture that um, kind of, uh, I think, describes the selfless person, the person in the selfless quadrant is John chapter 15, verse 13. And this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says this. He says, greater love has no one than this to 
lay down one's life for one's friends. Selfless, high concern for others, and a low concern for self. And you find yourself sometimes in this quadrant, and you just need to know that you need to be careful, need to be mindful, because if you spend too much time in this quadrant, what happens is the risk of burnout is greater because you have this low concern for self. And so self-care becomes important. And so let's move on to the next quadrant. I like this quadrant. It's called the otherish quadrant. The otherish quadrant. Everybody say otherish. 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 This is a giver in life. They want to help people as well. And the verse that I think、um, is perfect for the otherish quadrant is from Matthew chapter 22, and this is Jesus speaking. An expert in law came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Which is the greatest law? And Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he said, The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus is saying, The same high concern that you have for yourself. Have that same high concern for others. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love this quadrant. You see, this high concern for others is balanced with self care. And that's important to take care of yourself physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually and relationally. See, because if you don't take care of yourself, then a lot of times you, you, you become of no use to others. It's kind of like this if you、uh, ever, we all probably have writ- ridden on an airplane, we've all flown on an airplane, and、uh, before takeoff, there's the safety briefing, and They always cover the oxygen mask. They talk about how if the cabin pressure changes, then oxygen mask will come down. And then they say this this is the instruction that they give you make sure you put on your own oxygen mask before you help others. So, high concern for others, but also a high concern for self. And there, I, I just、uh, added some、um, research on、um, the benefits of giving. And、uh, I'm not going to read it all off, but there's just one, one of those items that I kind of love.、Uh, I don't know if you see it there. It says、uh, Givers, actually, one benefit is a warm glow of happiness. Don't you love that? A warm glow of happiness. And we all know people that are givers that have a high concern for others and they have this warm glow of happiness. Great benefits. And this is research.、Uh, and it, the research is、uh, um, in the annual psycholog- psychology review. And so this is good stuff. And so I think the point I'm trying to make is this that.、Um, I think we would all agree that we don't want to live in this apathetic and selfish quadrant, that this is no good. We don't want to live in those quadrants. 
as the people of God, as Christians, as believers of Jesus Christ, we want to stay in these quadrants. And my guess is that from time to time in life, we probably weave back and forth between selfless and otherish. That we, but but so important that we kind of live in these two quadrants. That this is like the sweet spot for Christians. This is where we want to be. This is where we want to live. Selfless and otherish. And many of you already live in this sweet spot. Let me just share with you some stellar examples just from our little church here. There are many children in our world that are familyless, that need a safe, caring, loving home. And we have some in our church have th- that have this high concern for others, this high concern for children that are familyless. And so they actually welcome these children into their homes through adoption and fostering. And I think of families like the Araki's and the Louise and the Wilsons, the Wenners and the Ramirez. Stellar examples of living in this selfless and otherish quadrants. There's this friend of mine, uh, his name is Dr. Roger White. And is he here this morning? Dr. Roger White is not here. But, doctor, but he's a well-known cardiologist. You all probably know him. He usually sits right here. Yeah. Unassuming uh, a gentleman. And, and um, in fact, he at one time was the chief of cardiology at Straub. And he'd probably be embarrassed that I'm sharing this because he's so humble. He doesn't want people to know that. And so he's kind of retired from all that. And he could enjoy retirement, go play golf. But instead... He has this genuine high concern for others. This high concern for the health and the well-being of others. And so he continues his work on the prevention and the education side of the profession. His goal is that he wants to help people so that they never have to see a cardiologist. And so he teaches, he meets with people, he, he even writes these books, like really good books, and, and like he just gives them away, like I've never seen him charge anyone for these books, I mean he just gives them away, and he does this out of the goodness of his heart because he has this high concern for the health and the well-being of others, and Dr. White is a stellar example of what it means to live in this selfless and this otherish quadrant. I can think of another example. Um, you guys all uh, know of hospice care, yeah? Yeah. Well, there are some in hospice end-of-life care that actually, literally, they have no one. They're all alone. And so I have a friend, and he... His name is Paul Powell. You probably know him. He comes to church here. And he has this high concern for others in the hospice care that are alone and that have no one. And so he volunteers his time. 
He visits and sits with sometimes for hours at a time, sits with those in hospice care that are all alone and that have no one. And his presence communicates to these. You are loved. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. And Paul is a, a stellar example of what it means to live in this selfless and this otherish quadrant. And I have many other examples, and um, I, I'm just amazed at, at the kind of church that we have that, that, uh, that's so other-focused. And we need stellar examples like these, especially because we live in a self-centered culture. And our self-centered culture encourages selfishness, encourages us to live in this selfish quadrant. You see, living in the selfless and in the otherish quadrants, it's counter-cultural. You're, you're, you're swimming upstream. You're swimming against the culture. It takes hard work. It takes perseverance. It takes mindfulness. It takes intentionality. The good news is that we have Jesus, our exemplar. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says about Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he starts off like this. He says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That's the first two verses. And here, the Apostle Paul is making a big deal about unity. You see, the enemy, his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the role of the enemy. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, don't by, by a selfish attitude allow the enemy to rob and steal, steal uh, your, your oneness, your togetherness, your closeness, your unity. And then take a look at what the Apostle Paul says next in verse 3. He says this. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than yourselves. Let each of you look out, not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. And so Apostle Paul says, hey, be other-focused. Live in the, in, in the selfless and the and the otherish quadrants, the Apostle Paul says. You see, the Apostle Paul knew that the world system of self-centeredness would try to invade our hearts. And so he encouraged us to stay in the selfish, otherish quadrants, to swim upstream against the culture, to be mindful and intentional about having a high concern for others. Then listen carefully to what the Apostle Paul says next. Beginning in verse 5, he says this. He says, let this mind 
be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The the apostle Paul says, hey, Jesus is our example of being other-focused. Jesus is our example of humble service. Follow Jesus' example, is what the, um, the Apostle Paul says in Philippians. Now, I want to end with this, because this morning is also Communion Sunday. Today is actually international, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church for the persecuted Christians around the world. In America, we get to choose. We get to choose to live in the otherish quadrant where we have a high concern for others that's balanced with a high concern for self. However, in many parts of the world, there are persecuted Christians that have a high concern for others, but the, their concern for self is a luxury. They don't get to think about self-care. These persecu- persecuted Christians are beaten, tortured, imprisoned, and sometimes even put to death because they believe in the name of Jesus Christ and because they tell others about the name of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be praying for these persecuted Christians, especially today, but every other day. And so I I want you to watch this really quick video that highlights um, our persecuted brothers and sisters. Go ahead. For over 25 years, Open Doors has been producing the World Watch List, which ranks the top 50 countries where it's most difficult to be a Christian. The list is compiled by a group of experts, audited by an outside organization specializing in religious freedom, and is the best and most authoritative list of its kind. Through on-the-ground interviews and data analysis, it provides an accurate picture of the difficulties persecuted Christians face around the world. For each country, the list looks at a variety of factors persecuted Christians endure in their public and private lives, such as persecution from the government, the community, and even from their own families. Open Doors estimates that in the top 50 countries alone, 245 million believers face intimidation, prison, and even death. That is one in nine Christians worldwide. But the list is not just numbers and figures. It represents those who have decided to follow Jesus no matter the cost. We believe there is only one body of Christ. And when one part suffers, every part suffers. We hope you feel called to learn more and pray for the millions of believers around the world where persecution is a daily reality.
Let us pray.